0: Hi dance friends. Today, instead of our usual quote quiz, we're going to open with a quote to muse on. It's from an op-ed the playwright Sarah Rule wrote for the New York Times shortly after Broadway went dark last week. The theater has survived a plague before, not only in the 1600s, but also in the 1980s. And the theater, with its tender heroism, empathy, and propensity to help others, will survive again. Hear more about Rules Peace at the end of this episode of the Dance Edit Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dance Edit Podcast. I'm Margaret Fuhrer. I'm Courtney Escoyne, and I'm Cadence Needon. We're editors at Dance Magazine and Dance Spirit Magazine, and we might sound a little different this week because we are recording remotely as we and much of the rest of the world practice social distancing during this escalating pandemic. Um, And on today's podcast, we'll be discussing all the various and serious ways COVID-19 is affecting the dance community. We'll also be touching on some more hopeful coronavirus stories, emphasizing dancers' resilience and resourcefulness in the midst of the crisis. Um, We'll also be talking and arguing about Dance Magazine's list of the top 20 dance works of the past 20 years. Um, But first a reminder that this podcast is actually a companion to our daily email newsletter, which keeps you on top of all the Dance World's news, COVID-19 related and otherwise. So go sign up for the Dance Edit newsletter at thedanceedit.com. And now for our, our first segment of the episode. There is more and more alarming news every day, every hour, every minute. Um, about this coronavirus emergency. And the dance world, like much of the performing arts world, has really felt the effects of the pandemic in a particularly intense way. Um, Broadway is dark. Nearly all upcoming performances have been canceled. Dance schools and companies are almost universally closed. And last week, we did a rundown of all the coronavirus-related dance cancellations. This week, that's basically impossible. Nothing is going on as planned. Um, So let's talk a little about how these closures and cancellations are impacting dance artists, um, about the potential financial fallout, which could be significant, and about the really important advocacy work that dance organizations are doing as we all kind of grapple with the sheer scale of this. Yeah. I mean, you said
1: last week we were talking about some of the cancellations that had come across our desks. Um, We finished recording. The first thing I saw was Pacific Northwest Ballet had canceled shows. And I think in the week since then, I don't know that I've gotten a press release that wasn't another cancellation, postponement, um, different measures that are being taken to keep everyone safe, um, which is great that's happening now. But I think a lot of artists, uh, especially those not with larger dance organizations are already having to think in terms of how am I going to economically survive this just for the next month, much less going into the future. Um, It's a honestly really kind of terrifying time for our field right now.
0: And we should note, by the way, that if you're looking for sort of up to the minute information about closures, cancellations, other dance world coronavirus news, um, you should check out our Twitter feed. At dance underscore edit, Um, we'll be updating things every, you know, 10 minutes, basically, as we hear them. Um, We also heard, I think yesterday that, or I'm sorry, by the time you're listening to this a couple days ago, that two Ballet West dancers have actually been infected with the virus. um, Uh,
1: Yeah, they tested positive.
0: Uh, They brought it home in a different way.
1: Yeah, the uh, and the news there is that they had both recently returned from East Coast trips. They had not been in contact with the rest of Ballet West or on the campus. Um, I believe they are currently in self-quarantine uh, and being treated. So, you know, it's a situation that I think is going to be becoming more and more familiar to us as time goes on.
2: I think it does, you know, go to show that as stringent as these measures are, they are important, that people are, you know, keeping safe, social distancing, especially since so much of our audience, particularly for ballet and Broadway, is an older audience who can be really pretty severely impacted by this disease. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think let's talk bigger picture too, because most companies and schools are already operating on, operating on shoestring budgets with so few resources. So what's going to happen to them as these performances and classes are canceled? And how can we help? Um, so I, I wanted to call out the advocacy work that Dance USA in particular is doing. Um, they've joined you know, broader nonprofit sectors calling on Congress to include the dance community in any COVID-19 relief packages. And thanks to their efforts and the efforts of many of their allies, the federal relief package that the House sent to the Senate recently does include paid leave provisions. So fingers crossed for its swift passage in the Senate and its implementation. Um, But they also have, have an ongoing campaign to include dancers in any future relief efforts. And I also want to apologize in our newsletter where we talked about this campaign, we misidentified it as a Performing Arts Alliance effort. It's a Dance USA effort. Just want to give credit where credit is due. Um, but please use their form at danceusa.org to contact your representatives and advocate for dancers. And um, they're also conducting a survey about how dance artists who are being how dance artists are being impacted by coronavirus, which will help them better advocate on behalf of the field. So you can go take that now at their website, too.
1: Yeah, and if you head to dancemagazine.com as well as danceusa, we are continually compiling resources to help dance artists in this time. I know for a lot of dancers, it's not just your dance gigs that are getting canceled. It's a lot of the um the jobs that pay the rent, gigs that are mm-hmm. also being canceled because frequently side that's, hustles. Those side hustles, you know, I have a friend who is a dance artist who also his primary additional income comes from catering. He's got nothing for the next month, and so unemployment is a real thing and it's a real option. A lot of dancers are already familiar with that process, um, but there are resources online to help you navigate this, um, and we're going to try to do our best to keep you apprised of those resources as, they, as we learn about them.
0: Yeah. Well, and we also want to talk about some of the more hopeful coronavirus stories coming out of the dance community, because, I mean, no community is stronger or more resilient or more creative pretty much anytime, but especially when it's tested, when it faces a crisis like this. Um, From ballet stars who are live streaming living room ballet classes to their students and fans, which is so fantastic, to celebrities, big name celebrities really rallying to support disappointed young dancers whose recitals were canceled, to closures and social distancing efforts actually spurring creativity in the dance world, you know, dancers have really responded to this pandemic with grace and and ingenuity too. Um, Let's talk a little about some of that.
2: I would say, you know, the one that personally makes my heart shine is the Hey Jen, Look at Me project that Jennifer Gardner, you know, mm-hmm. famed ballet lover and avid dance supporter. She started it for, you know, artists everywhere whose upcoming performances have been canceled. So in our case, you know, young dancers whose competitions or recitals might have gotten canceled. She's asking them to send out videos of themselves performing and she's been reposting them on her Instagram story to her More than 8 million Instagram followers, which is an amazing audience and also super uplifting. So if you need kind of a ray of sunshine in these dark times, definitely check out Jennifer Garner's Instagram story and see
0: dozens of talented young people. Yeah. That's so great. And it's kind of a cousin to what Laura Benanti mm-hmm. and then now when Manuel Miranda have jumped on the train, the Sunshine Songs project they're doing for musical theater um, kids who are, you know, want to want somewhere to sing their these solos they were going to be singing in their high school musicals. Um, it's just kind of a wonderful way to for these people to be be seen, yeah, by such a large audience. Well, in is- addition
1: to that, a lot of uh, professional companies are going about various ways of Okay, the show is canceled. Here's a live stream of our last dress rehearsal, or this is this rehearsal that happened. This is previous work that we've put out. Um, just recently found out Teddy Tedholm and a whole bunch of other people are organizing a huge uh, concert on Friday that's going to be live streamed. And all the contributors are going to be dancing in their living rooms uh, and yeah. people watching
0: from their living rooms. And uh, the I think goal of the it- slogans like, Artists performing in their bedrooms, watched by you and yours,
1: (laughs) (laughs) which I love, and they're also using it as a way to raise raise money and raise funds for dance artists who are being impacted by this crisis. Um, I also have loved watching, like, just in my personal like Instagram feed, um, you know, Gaga. Like a bunch of Gaga teachers got together, raised money, and then did a live streamed Gaga dancers class. And like 600 people were all together taking a Gaga improv class in their living rooms. And it was really incredible. Um, And I think it's like really comforting and really important because I think as dancers, so much of our field is about, we really rely on that like communal act of coming together and making stuff out of empty space. And I think seeing everyone using uh, social media as a way to, okay, we can't physically be next to each other, but we're still going to have a communal aspect to what we do. I think it's so important.
0: Yeah, there's this sort of through line of, Dance has always been something that's brought us joy in a dark time, and that's still true now, even though it's being kind of expressed in a different way out of necessity. Um, I'm personally obsessed with Mark Kanamura's Instagram dance parties. First of all, aren't we if all? If you don't follow this man on Instagram, you are missing so much joy just like rainbows flooding at you 24 hours a day he's so wonderful he's a very legit dancer former lady gaga dancer so you think you can dance alum among many other things um but he's been hosting daily dance parties that anyone can participate in and true to his you know signature form there are always rainbow wigs and fans and confetti involved it's just like the most loving and wonderful thing um and he also has been reposting in his stories videos that, that people send him of themselves and their kids and their dogs <laughs> like participating in these dance parties. It's just such it's kind of a balm for the soul right now. <laughs> it feels like what we all need. All right. So after all of that, coronavirus talk, um, let's move on to our next news segment, because it, it feels like an appropriate time to sort of take a breath and assess the way that we work, the way that we interact with dance, and the state of the performing arts community more generally. Um, so we wanted to talk a bit about a roundup that Dance Magazine just published of the top 20 past twenty dance works of the past 20 years. And as acknowledged in the introduction to the list, it is highly subjective, it is far from comprehensive. But it gives a really interesting perspective on the things that dance artists have been thinking about over the last two decades as we, you know, wonder what the dance world might look like going forward. Um, And it's also straight up a great article to send around to your dance friends if you want to spark some heated online (laughs) debate while we're all practicing social distancing. Give you something to Um, gossip
1: about via Skype
0: or FaceTime or whatever. Zoom. Yeah, right? Yeah, let's, well, let's get into it a little bit. What are what are your hot takes on the list? Courtney? You helped assemble it. I did help assemble it, which
1: means that I do acknowledge how totally subjective it is. Because, um, <laughs> I because I wrote two of them, and I remember when we were organizing. There were I wrote one about Justin Peck's Year of the Rabbit, which was the second work for City Ballet, but it was very funny because I was having a debate against myself about well, <laughs> should it be Rabbit or should it be Rodeo for dance episodes, and like and why this that, one but not this that one
0: is. That is the debate that I wanted to have. Oh, do you want to have this debate? Why? Because, <laughs> so, here's my logic.
1: Here's my logic. And this is the argument I ultimately made because I love Rodeo. It's one, it's, ugh, I think that's such an incredible valet. But my argument ended up being that Rabbit was so surprising. You know, it was only Justin's second mm-hmm. work for the company. And it really kind of came out of nowhere. And I remember reading the New York Times review of it and being in absolute shock about what a rave this review was and was like, (laughs) what is this? I need to see this. And then I saw it and it was – I mean, it blew my mind just in terms of it was taking these uh, traditions that you would learn growing up in Robbins and Balanchine and all those great works, but a very contemporary take on it, a very tongue-in-cheek take on it. Um, And it was playful and it was fun. And I honestly think that if you really look at it, if you were paying attention, the seeds of everything he's done since are in that
0: ballet. Well, yeah, I was going to say that's – and I think that's the strongest argument to be made for it is that all the seeds are mm-hmm. there. It is the beginnings of something that then came to beautiful fruition later. But I don't know. My inclination is to call out the – dance that represents that that full flowering. I have this thing, my theory is that Justin tends to be about as good as his music. Mm. And while I love Sufjan's music, and I love listening to it in kind of a pop music context, you can't you can't compete with Copeland. that is an iconic score. And the things that it draws out of him, the way he responds to it, Mm. are just so much more rich and sophisticated and and thought provoking. Um, and that's, I think, that's why it's, it speaks to me in a different way. And I will give you, but it was such okay, a big swing. Anyway, I'm gonna step
2: in as a tiebreaker and say that I have to on this one agree with Margaret. Rodeo is the moment. <laughs>
0: Well, right. Rabbit is okay. still on the list. So. Okay. We'll keep it a, a civil disagreement. <laughs> but let's talk about some of the other things on the list. Cadence, what what pieces spoke I mean, to you? I mean, I, you know, musical theater
2: person, I'm always going to have to say Andy Blankenbuehler. So glad to see him on that list. But I have a little confession. They listed for, for Hamilton. Hamilton yeah. But I was going to say I actually am kind of a bigger fan of his choreography and in, in the Heights. I thought it was so fun, oh, so genuine, hmm. just seeing his kind of first steps being taken in that show. I don't tell anyone, but you know, in the Heights has that soft place in my heart for his choreography. So, that's my little <laughs> sidebar on that one. Well,
0: again, that's sort of interesting. Now, you're you're going for the the first mm-hmm. work as opposed to the the full Yeah. So, I guess I'm actually work. siding with Courtney. Not not first work, <laughs> but earlier.
1: <laughs> well, and I think uh Heights was his first Tony for choreography, and I believe I so. I forget.
0: That sounds yeah. right. I mean, well, I want to say, too, I do agree with a lot of the list. I mean, all the nose mm-hmm. taps for, like, Wielden's Polyphonia, yeah. Rennie Harris's Roman Jewels, so fantastic. Kyle Abraham's Pavement, mm. um, Akram Khan's Dash, the Pina film. Um, and Kyle and
1: I, Akram were, too, that we were just like, they're on here, but which piece?
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, excellent problem to have. Um, I, I guess the two biggest holes that I was feeling were, one – Oh, where's the Merce? He did mm. so much good stuff. Merce Cunningham did so much good stuff over these past 20 mm-hmm. years. Like just just pick one, you know, split sides or nearly 90 or iSpace. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, and maybe this was just sort of an, an eligibility question. Um, it seemed like it, there was no commercial representation. Um and while things like music videos and award show performances maybe aren't explicitly dance works so many of them clearly are <laughs> dance works like where's where's single ladies where mm. is beyonce's lemonade Oof. where i mean you guys already know how i feel about justin bieber <laughs> but like sorry the video for sorry is 100% dance mm-hmm. and it has 3.2 billion views on youtube it has about half as many views as there are people <laughs> on earth <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and, and I know it's a little bit, it's kind of problematic. People have argued that the way that it uses Jamaican dance hall is, is mm, maybe not the best. But in terms of the impact that these commercial dance projects have on our culture at large, they're just beyond compare. Do you know what no, I No, mean? Margaret, mm. I definitely
2: kind of saw that as a whole too. You know, I, as much as there is kind of a contention towards So You Think in this day and age, I was like, where are some of those pieces? <laughs> i That's where we yeah. see like Sonia Taye choreographing for So You Think You Can Dance and her works on that that show are just... Groundbreaking,
0: they're beautiful. Sonia Tai, Mia mm-hmm. Michaels, that early Wade Robson yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, and I
1: will say for Sonia, I kind of on some level I'm like, mm, I kind of wish Moulin Rouge would have gotten a nod. Just <laughs> yeah, I really love what she's done with that musical. Um but yeah, and I think and I think this is where you run into, and then this is a little bit like dance spirit versus dance mag <laughs> in terms of what our respective <laughs> beats are. I mean representing for dance spirit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean the thing is it's like, you know, we're picking twenty works to represent. 20 years in Mm -hmm. which like the digital era really came into full fruition like youtube happened in the last 20 years and also like so you think was a huge part of youtube becoming a home for dance as and then that led to music videos featuring dance Mm -hmm. the way they do so it's a really interesting conundrum in terms of do you consider
0: digital only medium in a list like this
1: Mm -hmm. Um, yeah
0: Yeah, I mean, just a fire hose of dance content coming via that medium, how do you... you Yeah, and it's,
1: you know, and anytime you're picking best, I mean, that's the thing about dance, it's, like, such a wonderfully ephemeral art form. I think we're all just, you know, you could keep, like, no matter how much you expand the list, you need to expand it more because there's so much (laughs) great stuff happening. There
2: really is. Yeah,
0: yeah. What an another excellent problem to have. Um So clearly, it's a thought-provoking list. You all should go read it. Send us your own hot takes. Argue with us. Fight with us. We love a good dance fight. (laughs) I think
1: my response when we said we were doing this, I was just like, I wrote two of them. Fight me. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Come at me. Come at me, bro. Um, Okay, great. So now let's do a quick saute through some of the other notable dance stories of the week. And we're not going to do a headline rundown this time around since the headlines have almost all been about the coronavirus Um, Instead, we just wanted to call out four simply great dance reads that you should seek out immediately that will help your soul. Um, Cadence, would you kick us off?
2: We got a first look at Steven Spielberg's film adaptation of West Side Story, since it seems to be the year of the West Side Story Redux. Um, And most excitingly for me personally, we got our first absolutely dazzling look at Ariana DeBose as Anita. So
1: excited for that. Vanity Fair, Vanity Fair, Uh, meanwhile, in The Guardian, Lindsay Winship wrote a story musing on how the legacies of dance, which is, as we've said, an inherently ephemeral art form can be preserved for posterity. Um, and it was inspired by the closing of the Richard Alston Dance Company uh, in the last couple of weeks.
2: And then if you click over to Dance Spirit, you'll see that we recently published our spring cover story, which is featuring the big girls, none other than Lizzo's fabulous and fierce backup dancers. Check it out for the drool-worthy photos or to hear how the big girls are shattering industry stereotypes.
0: The photos really are incredible. I know we're <laughs> repping dance spirit hard today, but
1: seriously, you gotta go check no, it out. No retweet. They're pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also, speaking of film adaptations of very popular musicals, in uh, a feature for Vogue, the leads of the upcom- upcoming In the Heights film adaptation discussed how they brought their own histories to the characters. And how intimidated some of them were to be rehearsing alongside professional dancers for the very extensive
0: musical numbers in the film. So there's still lots of things to be excited about, lots of non-pandemic-related dance things to talk about. Please keep reading those things, talking about those things. That's just as important as staying up to date on on all the coronavirus news. Um, But. Before we sign off, we wanted to talk a little bit more about our quote to muse on from the top of the episode. So this past week in a New York Times op-ed published shortly after Broadway went dark, um, a playwright, Sarah Rule, wrote the following. The theater has survived a plague before, not only in the 1600s, but also in the 1980s. And the theater, with its tender heroism, empathy, and propensity to help others, will survive again. Um, oh, man, it makes me a little bit teary. Um, that op-ed was called Broadway's Closed: Write Poems Instead. Um, and it was written from Rule's perspective as a playwright, but it also speaks directly to us dancers, too. I mean, to everyone involved in the performing arts, really. And Cadence, you were the first one of us to sort of come upon that that beautiful piece. Yeah. I mean,
2: I was searching for my quote of the day, and I thought that this op-ed honestly spoke to me more than a Anything else I'd read this week? You know, she was basically discussing how in the 1590s plague, when theaters were shuttered, Shakespeare turned to poetry. As I'm sure you've all been seeing on Twitter this week, you know, when he was quarantined for the plague, Shakespeare wrote King Lear. And I'm not saying that we all need to write King Lear while we're at home. Definitely not. I'm not going to put that on any of you. <laughs> or
0: the, the, dan- the dance, <laughs> dance equivalent, equivalent of King yeah. Lear.
2: Um But she's basically reminding us that we need to keep practicing our art as a reminder to ourselves that it will survive this moment. Um, And she's encouraging her children every day to write a poem or some form of poetry, which I think probably the dance equivalent is choreographing two counts of eight or, you know, just getting up and dancing to a song you really love and just reminding yourself that this too will pass. We will dance again.
1: It actually really reminded me there's a great novel called Station Eleven that is the most hopeful post-apocalyptic novel you'll ever read. Uh, But really at the core of it is the idea that uh, survival is not enough and the arts are what connects us and what makes humanity more human. And I think this piece really speaks to that idea.
0: I think that's a really nice note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. Um, we'll be back next week, next Thursday morning, for more discussion of all the news that's moving the dance world. And be sure to sign up for the Daily Dance Edit newsletter at thedancedit.com and to follow us on Twitter at, at dance underscore edit for live updates on the pandemic. Um, keep dancing, everyone. Don't stop. Bye healthy. Bye. 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 The Dance Edit podcast is a product of Dance Media, publisher of Dance Magazine, Dance Spirit, Point, Dance Teacher, Dance Business Weekly, and the Dance Edit newsletter. Our hosts are Courtney Escoyne, Margaret Fuhrer, Lydia Murray, and Cadence Neiman. Our music is by Celestine, with special thanks to Broadway Dance Center for helping us record those footfall sounds. Find out more about the Dance Edit and subscribe to our daily newsletter at thedanceedit.com.